tonight. You break it, you own it. Just going to be the same, the same stupid clown car, but with a different driver. Nancy Mace joined the gang of eight, kicking Speaker McCarthy to the curb, and predictable chaos ensued. Hey, the Republicans finally got the chance to drive the car. They're in a ditch. What's her plan now? I have decided to join the Republican Party of Georgia. Leaving the left, an African-American lawmaker in Georgia says goodbye to the Democratic Party. She'll tell us why Southern blacks feel taken for granted by the progressive elite. And an X-rated candidate, a Democrat running for office, exposed for performing sex acts online. Virginia is for lovers. Why this proved too much for voters. Welcome to the Ferris Show on television. First tonight... You only use a fake name on your email if you are doing something wrong. Enter Robert L. Peters. You've never heard of him, of course, but that is the email name that Joseph R. Biden used. Robert L. Peters was Joseph R. Biden. Turns out there may be a lot more to then-Vice President Biden's emails than originally thought. Republicans now want all of the mysterious Mr. Peters emails. They think it could shed light on conversations between then-Vice President and Hunter Biden, along with Hunter's business associates and also the Vice President's aides. Perhaps it could shed light on the Vice President's conversations and schedule around his trips to Ukraine. On one such trip, he demanded Ukraine fire a prosecutor that was looking into Burisma. That's a controversial energy company that employed Hunter. So what exactly did Mr. Peters say about Burisma? To make the connection clear, here is the graphic. Burisma hired Hunter for obvious reasons during his dad's time as vice president. And we know that the prosecutor who was investigating Burisma got fired. What's missing is the records, if there are any, of conversations between Hunter and his father or his father's staff putting these things together, going from selling influence to actually selling actions by the vice president of the United States on behalf of the American people. That goes from merely being wrong and unseemly to criminal. wonder what Mr. Peters said about that. So there may not be records of Vice President Biden talking with Hunter or his staff, but there could be records of Robert L. Peters talking to the vice president's staff and to Hunter Biden. And Mr. Biden, of course, wouldn't be the first politician to use fake names. Disgraced Congressman Anthony Weiner used Carlos Danger to send illicit pictures to young women. Chelsea Clinton went by Diane Reynolds to check into hotels. Elliot Spitz, remember him, the governor of New York? He was George Fox when he set up appointments with high-end escorts. Donald Trump went by all sorts of names, sometimes to even act as his own spokesman. The list goes on. And to be fair, famous people use fake names to stay at fancy hotels and on and on and on. But that excuse doesn't apply to the vice president of the United States. Mr. Biden, Mr. Peters, didn't need to use a stealth email for dinner reservations. Can't really show up in a stealthy way as the vice president. So why was Mr. Biden, Mr. Peters? This brings us back to the missing link between Joe and Hunter. The White House maintains the older Biden never spoke to his son about his business dealings or was never in business with his son and some variations of these denials. Story keeps changing. But Hunter's business partner, Devin Archer, specifically refutes that, saying Biden Sr. got on the phone routinely to sell the Biden brand. So how did he know to get on the phone? Maybe, just maybe, because there was an email to Robert L. 
Peters. There's also, of course, a few other names used by Mr. Biden, including Robin Ware and J.R.B. Ware. So, yes, you heard that right. Republicans now want emails and documents related not only to Mr. Peters, but Robin Ware and J.R.B. Ware. So Mr. Biden did not use just one fake name in his emails, but three. Tom Dupree is here, former Deputy Assistant Attorney General, a man with the best background in television. It's good to see you, sir. Thank you. Uh, all Great right. to see you. Are Republicans getting closer to a smoking gun? It feels like it, Leland. And look, this d- uh, discovery that uh, former Vice President Biden may well have been sending out emails and having communications using a pseudonym really just raises the whole level of intrigue here. I mean, it's not exactly James Bond level stuff, but it does beg the question of why on earth a sitting vice president of the United States would be emailing under a pseudonym. All I can say is if there is a trove of emails out there from the mysterious Mr. Peters, I will wager that they are going to be a lot more interesting than the email sent from regular old Joe Biden. It it reminds me of Andy Card, the chief of staff during the Bush administration you served in. Three email responses, yes, no, and see me. Uh, Other than that, you can get in trouble for, uh, for what's in email. But look, How much of this goes to state of mind, right? We started off the program by saying you don't use a fake name if everything is on the up and up, right? If you're not doing something wrong, you don't need to use a fake name. Does this go to, even from a criminal standpoint, uh, conscious of guilt, if you will? Absolutely. I think that's the first thing a prosecutor would latch on to is the fact that Joe Biden apparently saw fit to use a pseudonym and effectively camouflage and conceal his communications would reflect a consciousness of guilt. It's it's self-evident. The reason why you would communicate under a fake name is because you don't want anybody to attribute those communications to you. So, yes, it definitely raises suspicious eyebrows as to why he was doing this, what he said. And it's also somewhat ironic that if he thought he was being secret or was going to keep these communications out of the public spotlight, that they're now today housed at the National Archive, for goodness sake, where a congressman can get them just by making a request. Right. And it was interesting enough that he did all this, but used what's called a .gov email address. It was a government email server that he used, but used it under this other name. And and this right could shed a lot of light on on what was said and what was said to Hunter about Hunter, what Hunter asked uh, Robert Peters to do um, and and the like. Republicans keep saying the Biden crime family, that they have this this idea of a quid pro quo. And we can all agree that the vice president's son making millions not because of his business acumen, but because his last name is unsavory, it's wrong, it's, it's all these things, uh, dare I say, un-American, or maybe very American, maybe that's the problem. But anyway, um, what is it that Republicans need to prove that this wasn't just Hunter Biden selling the idea of influence, but selling actual influence that would become criminal? Well, they need evidence that links Biden, Joe Biden, to Hunter's business activities. Uh, They need to show that Joe Biden used the prestige and the power of his office to advance his son's private business interests. And look, that doesn't have to be something as, you know, over the top and heavy handed as, you know, demanding a prosecutor be fired, although it could. But it also could involve things just, you know, as, as seemingly harmless as him sitting in on phone calls and weighing in and announcing his presence as a way of signaling 
revealing that the vice president was supporting his son in his business dealings and that his son could draw upon the vice president of the United States to help advance his business interests. It's yet another reason that people in Ukraine and elsewhere would want to hire Hunter Biden. Lord knows they weren't doing it for his business acumen. They were doing it because of his connections. And that's what Congress is looking to see if they can find an actual use of that connection on the part of the vice president. Right. And look, the vice president for a long time, his story is slightly changing, but for a long time basically said, to your point, I had nothing to do with this. I was never on the phone. I was never involved. I was never helping Hunter. Uh, take a listen to some of the things he said. I've never spoken to my son about drugs. My son has not made money in terms of this thing about uh, what are you talking about? China. He's a grown man. And it turns out he did not do a single thing wrong. So all three of those things have been proven untrue. Lying as a politician, of course, is not a crime. But I ask you this. Based on what you said that we need for the possibility of criminal charges, we're almost there, are we not? Yes, I don't think we are that far away from it. And the fact that the White House's narrative has had to shift almost on a daily basis to account for all the evidence that has been coming out drip, drip, drip day after day. I mean, look, now if all these emails come out showing that Biden was actually conducting business under the pseudonym of Mr. Peters, I mean, I, I honest to God, I suspect the White House's next argument is going to be it wasn't Vice President Biden doing all this. It was this Mr. Peters fellow who was doing it. I mean, that's the direction we've been heading in where every day it's a new story to account and explain for all this damning evidence that keeps coming out. Yeah, well, we'll see, we'll see what Mr. Peters had to say in his emails. Um, hey, Tom, it's always good to see you. Thanks for hopping on with us. Uh, perfect man for this discussion. Thank you. Thanks, Leland. Can Donald Trump save the Republican Party? He may be the only people who, person who can. Trump will show up at the Capitol on Tuesday when Republicans meet to pick their new speaker. And Trump has a few reasons to be angry with House Republicans. As we've shown you, they gave one of history's most unpopular presidents a pass. Quick review of what was in the GOP's favor. Stock market closed down again today. That was true on Tuesday when we said it as well. Now it's around the same levels as in January. Everybody's 401k is hurting. Gas prices continue to stay high, risking another spike in inflation. Interest rates are their highest in more than a decade, making homeownership out of reach for many Americans. We have a quarter million plus illegal immigrants coming across our southern border. President Biden's approval ratings right now hover around freezing, and a vast majority of Americans worry about his age. A new poll shows a record high number of Americans trust Republicans to manage the economy over Democrats. Republicans win by 14 points. So for Trump, Mr. Biden's likely opponent, chaos among Republicans and a week of coverage about Republicans without a plan is not helpful. In fact, it's terrible. Rarely does American media agree about anything, but from Fox News to CNBC to MSNBC to CNN, we have universal agreement among them that Republicans can't shoot straight. Most of the Republicans that I have seen leaving this conference have been dejected. Many of them have said that this is an embarrassing moment for their party. A new speaker could be a fresh start for House Republicans, or it could be just another hostage sitting in the same office, terrified of doing anything to offend a tiny faction of his party. The Republicans finally got the chance to drive the car. They're in a ditch. All of this could be worth it, of course, if, and it's a big if, 
Republicans have a plan, a plan to rally around a new speaker and stop fighting with each other. So far, at least, that plan isn't apparent to anybody. And considering Capitol Hill leaks like a rusted hot water heater, it appears there is not a secret plan. Eight Republicans voted to end McCarthy's speakership, including Nancy Mace, who says she did so not because of ideology, but because McCarthy didn't live up to his word on how the House would operate. And to be fair, uh, she has some valid points. The Congresswoman from South Carolina is with us now. Nice to see you, ma'am. Appreciate it. Um, Let's look forward. Thank you. What's the plan? Well, the plan will be next week to hear from the candidates that are throwing their hat into the ring for speaker and move forward with a vote for a new speaker. I met with Jim Jordan yesterday. I will be meeting with Steve Scalise as well. And I'm looking at this as an opportunity to unify and get to work. We have bills that we need to get out of the appropriations process, about eight more. And we'll have just under 40 days to do it when we get this over with. And we've got a lot of work to do. We need to roll up our sleeves over the next couple of weeks. Have you talked to President Trump yet? I have not talked to him, but I understand, Leland, that he will be on Capitol Hill next week as we are having uh, discussions with the different speaker candidates. All right. So evidently he's going to be there on on Tuesday. There's some discussion of him mm-hmm. being a a possible candidate for speaker, which would sort of be wild. You don't have to be a member of the House to be elected speaker. Um, I'm wondering, as you look at this now, um, did you realize sort of the the unintended consequences of the the coverage that was going to happen, how Republicans were going to be portrayed uh, over this week after this vote? Well, certainly mainstream media aren't usually with us anyway. But here's the thing. At the end of the day, the American people deserve a speaker and a leader who will tell the truth, who will keep their word. And we promised the American people at the beginning of the year we would follow the law. We have a Budget Act from 1974 that says Congress is supposed to have a budget and is supposed to have 12 different spending bills to fulfill that budget. That never happened. A lot of promises were made. You can't say one thing to conservatives, another thing to moderates, and then something else to Democrats. Consensus and bringing people together isn't giving everyone everything all the time because that's just, you can't do that. That's a lie. And so we need someone who's going to be honest, even when we disagree, and that's okay. No, I I hear you, and there were some legitimate complaints about Kevin Mm -hmm. McCarthy. I understand that. I'm not going to question somebody who says they're standing on principle. I guess, though, and I'll take umbrage a little bit when you say the mainstream media is never going to be with Republicans. I'd say there's a lot of places that aren't mainstream media, uh, including Fox News and others on the right that are saying that that Republicans have really messed this up uh, badly. And this is what I want to find so curious. Pelosi majority versus McCarthy majority. Pelosi uh, in the 117th Congress, last Congress, uh, Democrats 222, Republicans 211. McCarthy, 118th Congress, Democrats 212, Republicans 222. The exact same numbers. Yet Pelosi, the Inflation Reduction Act, Paycheck Protection Act extension, infrastructure, CHIPS Act, Trump, you know, all things that were highly unpopular. Trump's second impeachment. On and on and on, all highly unpopular with Republicans. She got all that stuff rammed through, and all it seems is Republicans have been able to do effectively is fight for each other and pass an omnibus uh, bill that that doesn't accomplish any of the things Republicans promised they were going to accomplish. There are a lot of there are a lot of issues facing, whether it's spending and inflation, whether it's the immigration issue and crime. You know, Leland, we've talked about this, but women's issues are very important to about half the country today. There are so many things that we need to work on. And I'm looking very much looking forward to uniting the party next week, 
to electing a strong speaker, a strong leader who can get a lot of this work done. Because I know that members of Congress, they want to do the work and it's time to back up a leader who will be able to show us the way and help us get all those things and, done. And you, forgive, forgive me, I've, I've been in Washington for a while. I'm skeptical of all, all politicians. Mm-hmm. You really believe that the, the next speaker with the same slim majority is going to be all that all that much better than Kevin McCarthy? We have to be. There's a lot at stake here, and we absolutely have to roll up our sleeves and not take any breaks and push our country forward. Um, I, the, the criticism that's been leveled at you, and, and I think you know this, is that this was sort of more about Nancy Mace and fundraising in your, in your career. Um, I, there's a possibility of running for Senate coming up. Um, I go back to, was it worth all the chaos? Was it worth all of uh, the momentum that was lost for Republicans in, in holding Joe Biden accountable on all the things that we talked about at the top of the show for, the, for what mm-hmm. is about to come? Well, chaos is what got us here. And just because we don't have a permanent speaker in the position today doesn't mean we have to hit pause. We didn't have to adjourn this week and not work on appropriations bills. We could have another impeachment inquiry hearing today or tomorrow, in fact. So the work of the House and the committee process, that didn't have to stop during any of this and can still continue on until we elect a speaker. So, you know, I I am a workhorse, as are most members of Congress, and I'm here to do the job I was elected to do. All right. Let's let's end with this. What is I, I what does success really look like? And does President Trump coming add to the chance of that or detract from it? Well, we'll find out on Tuesday when he does visit the Hill, but certainly having all eyes Would on you the support Capitol, him for watching speaking? what democracy Well, I I don't know that he's running for speaker because I believe he posted on social media earlier today he was going to be there to support the next speaker. So I I read that as supporting and getting behind one of the two or three candidates who are going to put their hat in the ring. All right. Fair fair enough. And and success to you is a speaker that you think can have the the trust of the entire conference and lead them in a way that, that Kevin McCarthy couldn't. A speaker who will keep his word. Well, that, you know, what's funny in, in Washington, that's an awfully high bar. <laughs> it is a very I, I am learning, Leland, and it is a very lonely position yeah. when all you want is the truth and hard work here. Fair, fair enough. It's nice to see you, ma'am. Thank you. Enjoy the weekend in South Carolina. We'll talk soon. See you in D.C. Coming up, leaving the left just ahead. We're speaking with a Georgia lawmaker on why she's switching parties. Stand here to say that I have decided to join the Republican Party of Georgia. I supported children and families over the teachers union. I supported the Republican position not to defund the police. That's Georgia's state representative Misha Maynor. She just left the Democratic Party to become a Republican. In Georgia, no less, which could have huge implications for the 2024 presidential election. Very reasonable to think that Georgia could decide. The president, Misha, joins us now. Uh, nice to see you. Thank you. Uh, help, help us understand, Was this is this been a long time coming or was there a, a snap decision? Um, it was not a snap decision. I was elected, you know, I've done three terms. And from the moment I've walked in, the Democratic Party um, at the Capitol has been antagonistic towards me. Um, I've put up with it for three years, and 
you know, after they started putting checks up on social media for people to run against me, I really had to sit back and say, maybe I am not a part of this um, group. What is it that you think makes you, did they leave you or did you leave them? Because at one point you thought you were a Democrat or you were a Democrat. I think black people just, you know, that's all we know, right? All we know is to go vote and to be a Democrat. Um, It wasn't until being elected where I'm reading the policy to make the best decisions for my constituents that I'm realizing if you read the fine print, these are things that totally are not in support of communities that I represent. And so can you give me some some specifics? The specific would be parent choice, right? In my district, there are schools that only 3% of the kids are meeting academic proficiency. They're failing. They've been failing for 50 years. I'm from that community. And, you know, I challenge people, if the schools have been failing for 50 years, if the community is crying infested for 50 years, and it's been only Democrat leaders in that community, the problem is not the Republicans. The problem is the Democrats. And Hmm. so I have come to that realization. All right. Uh, From the Wall Street Journal, Jason Riley writing, liberals can't comprehend black economic progress. Positive black economic trends undermine the liberal argument that we live in a society stacked against certain racial and ethnic minority groups. So these trends tend to get downplayed or spun to advance a left wing agenda. Do you feel as though the African-American vote, especially in, in the South, is taken for granted by Democrats? Absolutely. Um, And you know what? I feel sad because a lot of people just don't know, right? You only know what you know. And in politics and policy, we just don't know. And since I've been elected, I've tried to be one of those policymakers where I'm giving information. I'm a physical therapist, so that's what I've done for over 20 years is just help people and give them information and make themselves independent. And, you know... The Democrats don't want to give you information. They don't want to give you information because if you have the information, you might not vote for them. So they give them limited information, Mm -hmm. false information to scare them into thinking that um, Republicans are out to get them when in actuality, it's them out to get us. All right. Well, the Democrats aren't very happy with you, as you might imagine. Um, so I, I tend to think that there's we haven't heard the last of uh, your story or your political career, Misha. So we're going to stay in touch. We'd love to have you back. Unfortunately, we got to run. But thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And please let your visitors know to go to MishaMainer.com. Yes, ma'am. Thank you very much. For nearly a year, Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville held up senior military promotions and became a boogeyman for the left. He explains his thinking and why principle, he says, is more important than all when we come back. Ew, gotta get rid of this old Backstreet Boys t-shirt. Tell me why. Because it stinks, boys. Tell me why. I've washed it so many times, but the odor won't come out. Tell me why. No, you tell me why I can't get rid of this odor. Have you tried Downy Rinse and Refresh? It doesn't just cover up odors. It helps remove them. 
Wow, it worked, guys. Yeah. Downy Rinse and Refresh removes more odor in one wash than the leading value detergent in three washes. Find it wherever you buy laundry products. My name is Jeff McCulloch. I live in West Central Wisconsin, and I work for the Emergency Management Department at the uh, St. Paul District of the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. I'm honored to serve as mission manager for the temporary housing mission, uh, helping the uh, people of Maui uh, recover from the wildfires. Uh, I'd like to give a shout out to my friends and family back home and wish them a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. This is Master Sergeant Reed, stationed at Masawa Air Base, wishing my friends and family back home in Oklahoma a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. I love you guys. Miss you. Hello, I'm Staff Sergeant Cynthia Bolio, stationed here at Interlake Air Base in Turkey. I just want to wish my family and friends in El Paso, Texas, a very Merry Christmas and Happy New Year, and go Texas. To all the service members far from home this holiday season, we at News Nation thank you for your service and wish you and your family a happy holiday season and a great and safe 2024. I was crossing the street when I met the love of my life. I chased after her. Nothing would stand in my way. Not the dog walker, nor the hot dog vendor. Finally reaching her, I asked, what do you call that amazing smell? Um, it's Gain Flings. Gain Flings. My love had a name, but more importantly, it had a scent. Fall in love with Gain Flings. Seriously good scent. Try Gain Flings and save even more at Target with a free gift card. Farming is dangerous. There's dangers all around us. We go through safety training and try and do these things to make sure accidents don't happen. You don't want to hit a gas pipe because that's your life. The other part of it is if you hit certain things, you're liable for it. Farm Safe 811 starts with you. Always call 811 and wait for any underground lines to be marked. Always keep safety in the back of your mind. Just stay humble. For more information, go to farmsafe811.org. What kind of help does the IRS have for identity theft victims? If you suspect you're a victim of tax-related identity theft, go to irs.gov slash identity theft to learn how to prevent potential refund fraud and protect your tax account. At the IRS, combating tax-related identity theft is a top priority, and we are committed to prevention, detection, and assisting victims. And we're working with law enforcement to catch the criminals. For more info, go to irs.gov slash identity theft to learn what the IRS is doing to help protect you. You're listening to On Balance with Leland Vitter on News Nation, America's fastest growing cable news network. In the early hours after the tsunami, it was ham radio that was on the air, saving lives. When Florida was ripped by hurricanes, the hams were there. In the critical moments after the attack of 9-11, it was the hams who coordinated emergency messages. When disasters strike, the hams are ready. Ham radio works when other communications don't. To learn how you can become a ham radio operator, call the ARRL, the National Association for Amateur Radio, at 1-800-326-3942. Pass it on. Today my bank made a big mistake, but I forgave them. My server spilled water on me, but I forgave him. My toddler drew lipstick on the wall. Was I ever mad? It got me thinking. I can forgive my bank and my server, but I'm upset with my own kid? I mean, what's most important here? So, tonight, the two of us are doing lipstick art. On paper, forgiveness is in you. Pass it on. From PassItOn.com. How was your drive to school? Let me tell you. I had to get my iced coffee first. I just can't seem to put it down. My favorite rapper just announced a tour. My phone was buzzing like crazy. I'm so excited. I had to text all my friends right then to talk about it. Then, someone started calling me and... Let's try that again. I turned my phone off right away. I never drive distracted. 
Visit StopTechStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. into uh, the football season with a bunch of acting coaches uh, for each of our teams with a regulation that limits any of those acting coaches from presuming that he or she was actually going to officially lead the team. How are you going to deal with the uncertainty of uh, within the coaching staff and the locker room in terms of who's in charge, how are we going to affect performance, and then who are the fans going to hold accountable? All right, and the senator is with us now. Uh, Never underestimate, Senator, the ability of uh, either side, perhaps, to use some overheated languages. Perhaps uh, we can all agree the Navy secretary might have the aiding and betting line appeared to be a little much and unfair. I'll get to that in a minute. But I thought the Pentagon spokesperson was made an interesting point when he compared to this to what a, what a team would be like, even even if it's a team in, in early spring training or during during training camp in the in the summer with a with only acting head coaches. Fair comparison. Oh, not really, because, Lee, there's not one of these positions that's not filled. Uh, Even some of the nominations that have been nominated have gone ahead and taken their position. Uh, I've talked a lot of them. And so they're making a mountain out of a mole here. here. We've got more generals and admirals than you can stir with a stick. That Pentagon over there is running full with people over there that really have nothing to do with readiness. Uh, They just have a job. They've got stars on their shoulders. They do make a few decisions here or there, but it's the captains, the majors, the colonels, the sergeants, the privates that are getting ready to fight wars, that train every day. I, I, I hear you. That said, I, I don't think anyone would accuse the Marine Commandant of just pushing paper around. Um, there, there's others, combatant commanders, who, who aren't, aren't there. You, back in the day um, at Auburn, you were known as the river, riverboat gambler for aggressive play calling, especially on fourth down. I, I got a little bit of a smile out of you. Is, is, is this holding up these nominations a little bit like this? Is this riverboat gambling in a sense? Oh, no, not really. You know, if I, had, if I thought this had anything to do with our national security and not having us prepared for what's going on across the world, I wouldn't be doing this. But uh, it's obvious that uh, the Democrats are trying to use it their, to their advantage, Leland. Uh, I'm not holding up nominations. They can bring them to the floor one at a time. I can't hold them up. I can hold up groups at a time. That's what I'm doing. So uh, it's, it's way overblown. I'm not trying to win a, win a Medal of Honor here. I'm trying to keep the military from changing a law that was passed 35 years ago, and now Joe Biden, who voted for it 35 years ago, is trying to change it with a memo. That's not going to happen. This has to go through Congress. And if we just go through Congress and vote on it, uh, I'll accept whatever. But uh, right now, they're just trying to force it down the taxpayers' throats. All right. Well, f- fair, fair enough. There's, there's two parts to pull out of this. One would be uh, where you said you don't think we're riverboat gambling with national security. Uh, there is an enormous amount of generals, admirals, retired Ford, f- four-star uh folks who say that you you are there's a number of republicans who are who are concerned about national security with this they just have it wrong and you you know better i've got all i've got all kind of support on the republican side obviously this is a very uh partisan issue uh the democrats they they look for every possible way to get a vote uh they could care less really what's going on they're making this political. I'm trying to get politics out of the military because we're so woke right now. I don't know whether we could fight a war. 
And uh, again, I've vetted all these generals and admirals, these 300 over the last month. There's some of them I'm not going to vote for anyway. But I, that has nothing to do with it. Right now, I'm just trying to protect the integrity of the Constitution, how we do things here. Let the laws go through Congress, not through the White House. Let's no, do it to right. Senator, I, I, I give you, I look, anybody who's willing to make a stand on morality and then go on television and defend it uh, deserves credit because there's so many uh, in the United States Senate who are unwilling to come on and, and defend a controversial position. So I give you credit there. But again, the, the generals and admirals that I'm talking to, who I, I've known for a long time and are by no means uh, partisan Democrats or progressives or anything else, they say, Forget the forget the politics in any way. This this has an effect unquestionably on national security. I think you make an interesting point, though, that Democrats aren't spending floor time uh, to bring these one at a time. And they could do that for especially for the combatant commanders, for the Marine commandant. So are they playing politics as much as you are? Why aren't they bringing this to a floor vote? Exactly. And again, just change the policy back and let's vote on it. I mean, that's all I'm asking. Don't tell us what you're going to do, because. We are the ones that vote on it. I want the people from Alabama to have an opportunity to vote on this bill. And that's the reason they sent me here. The same people in Louisiana, same thing in Tennessee, New York. They have, a, they have an opportunity to vote on this. Now, if it passes, so be it. Let's go on with life. But they do not want to do it. They want to force it down the American people's throat. And I'm not going to allow that to happen. All right. I want to get something. Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy Um said, under General C.Q. Brown's leadership, the Air Force is trying to reduce the white male pilots from 86% of flyers down to 43% amidst a recruiting crisis. Increasing racial discord will not help and will further degrade the mission, success, and safety of the brave men and women who serve this nation. Um, we, we did a little fact-checking, and I know these are his facts, not yours, but I haven't heard you dispute them so far. Air Force recruiting goals, 675 white down from the 2014 goals of 80%, 43% male to 24.5% female, uh, Asian, uh, multiracial. This is uh, Senator Brown uh, during the confirmation hearings defending his position. Take a listen. It was uh, designed to increase the pool of applicants, essentially to search for more talent. Uh, it was not designed to set the composition there for us. Is that accurate? That's correct. It was only application goals. It was not uh, designed to eliminate the opportunities for anyone. It was just looking to open up the opportunities for as many uh, uh, as we could. And- all right. We can all agree that America is better off when it has a, a chairman or versus not having a chairman uh, or safer. Specifically to C.Q. Brown, do you view him as unqualified to be the chairman? Would you on a on a one off floor vote vote for him to, to take the spot? Well, I like CQ. I've had him in my office here several times. I thought he did a pretty good job in terms of being the deputy and, and not the chief. Uh, obviously, you know, he's got a chance now to be the be the be the head man, uh, to be the big advisor for, for the military, for the president. Uh, I did not like his statement about uh, color or race or anything like that. Listen, the military is not an equal opportunity employer. It shouldn't be. It never should be. It should be about taking the people that want to protect and defend the United States of America. I don't care if we have 100 percent black pilots in the Air Force. I want the best people that can win. There is no second place in war. It is first place only. And we need the best people. He said, look, no, no argument there. Lethality over everything else. Um, 
How do you square that circle, though, with holding up nominations for hundreds of flag officers wrecking their families so many of them can't move, uh, distracting them, having lower rank the captains and the majors and lieutenant colonels looking up and seeing, God, I don't know if I want to stay for a career, when you're holding this up effectively because of a, a political view. I, I'm just trying to, to square that. Leland, don't quit reading so many newspapers. These people are taking their jobs. There's no job unfilled. They just do not have the name of what they're doing. The commandant of the Marines from day one has been running the Marines, has been doing his job. He's been doing what he was tabbed to do. This is all politics. That's the reason we've got to get politics out of the military. Let them do their damn job and get out of the way. And with, with, with the Biden administration trying to dictate to us what the policies are going to be, that is not right. Let Congress help the military do what they do best is protect this country and be strong and eventful and may, and give them the best opportunity for success. All right. Uh, I know you've got to run. We appreciate the time, Senator. As we said, we always admire anybody who's willing to come on, uh, who takes a position on a, on a moral ground and come on, is willing to come on and talk about it. Uh, as you, you are, Senator. Welcome back anytime. Thank you. Double standard. The Washington Post does a hatchet job over one candidate's risque personal life, but celebrates Tim Scott's bachelorhood. Where are the feminists? This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. I don't care. Mm-hmm. This is this is the issue. I, and it's a big issue in the country. Why is my private life? of inch, so much interest to you that you can't get past the fact that I may not be interested in being married. I might not want a, a, a spouse. Yeah. That doesn't mean I can't do the job. All right, that's Whoopi Goldberg on The View talking about a breathless Washington Post article that came out about Senator and presidential candidate Tim Scott. In the Post-style section, they write, the unmarried Republican presidential candidate doesn't like talking about his new relationship very much, but he is talking about it. The article helpfully includes a long analysis of Scott's virginity and includes he is a confirmed bachelor as opposed to a closeted homosexual. Scott's treatment is far, far different than that of Susanna Gibson. She's a 40-year-old mother of two, married, and running for the Virginia House of Delegates. It's a very competitive race. The Daily Mail reports Susanna Gibson can be seen in videos obtained performing sex acts with her husband online and encouraging watchers to pay them with tips for specific requests. The New York Times, Washington Post, Daily Mail, and others cannot get enough of her online hobby. Susanna says she won't drop out of the race and Republicans are just trying to silence her by peddling the tapes. Dr. Lauren Wright uh, is here, professor at Princeton University. Is there a double standard between how the private lives or the the personal behaviors of men and women in politics are covered? Historically, there has been, but I'm not sure that's the case here. I mean, first of all, 
I read that Tim Scott article. I don't think it was flattering. A lot of the description is how he's hiding this or being shady about it. And people want to know about his relationship status, but he's not giving them information about it. So I don't think the mystery surrounding Tim Scott is necessarily good for his campaign. And I also think with regard to this Virginia House candidate, uh, Yes, we're very hard on women in particular, but when you're talking about commercial pornographic content, which is by all accounts what this is, there might be a different standard there that voters care about. No, no I, I hear the point. You, know, you think about Scott Brown, who was the Republican candidate uh, for Senate in Massachusetts, Republican senator in Massachusetts, and you know, topless or you know, nude on in Cosmo with certain things covered. Uh, I guess what's interesting to me is how fascinated the Washington Post, New York Times, Daily Mail, but especially the Post and the Times, because they are so committed to women and women's rights. And yet in a very competitive race, she is the Democrat. And it's almost like they're trying to shame her into dropping out. And I can't quite figure out why they're so obsessed with this. I'm not sure about that. I mean, it is a description of videos that they analyzed and saw. And those have been corroborated by other publications now. And so even if it's just a simple description and not a shaming or a derogation, it's probably going to be a negative story politically. And, you know, no one has ever accused the Washington Post of being a conservative leaning publication. And so even if they describe, uh, Tim Scott's relationship status. It's just a very, very simple structure and maybe also harmful to him, I would argue. You are far more generous about this than I figured you would be, but I appreciate (laughs) the perspective. Uh, As always, it's good to see you. Thanks. The Secret Service still hasn't told us who left a baggie of cocaine in the West Wing why that's just fine with the White House, and it's probably not fair to blame the Secret Service. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply been 10 days and 22 hours since the Secret Service found cocaine in the White House. And now we might never know whose cocaine it is. Secret Service closed their investigation due to a lack of physical evidence, no fingerprints, no DNA. Today, the agency briefed the House Oversight Committee and they still have some questions. They were able to narrow down a list of approximately 500 people that had left a small bag of cocaine in a cubby. This is a failure of this investigation to not perform a drug test on these people. To say that it was just some weekend visitor, that's bogus. Nobody's buying that at all. All right, Congressman Pete Sessions, the Oversight Committee, is with us now. Congressman, it's good to see you. I appreciate it. I'm trying to understand, do you feel like the Secret Service 
bungled this or do you think that there was political pressure from the White House that they didn't, shall we say, be more aggressive in, in either what they did do or could do? Well, I think we've seen that the Department of Justice, the FBI, everyone the president's come in contact with where there were blatant irregularities, abnormalities, and inconsistencies, every single time there has been an excuse. Hunter Biden receives VIP treatment, but everybody else seems to run afoul of the law, and the Department of Justice is free to tell every single person in this country we know what this is, and what a shame that they've now neutralized the Secret Service. So, so you think this was, this was the White House either implicitly or explicitly putting their, you know, sort of meddling in this investigation? Well, we I mean, will the, have the, an opportunity the, 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 to find the, out how many... I guess what I'm trying to get at is that it, I get the, the political sort of theater of it. And look, cocaine in the White House is, is sort of a remarkable story for the past 10 days. But that said, accusing the, secret, accusing the White House of sort of pulling the Secret Service off this investigation is pretty huge, isn't it? Well, it would be. And as a matter of fact, that's why now that they've given that answer, it will give us a chance to learn more about it. The bottom line is, is that I believe there should be drug tests that are re-administered to people in, who work in the White House. I believe that anybody that was in the White House those 24 hours should have to undergo a drug test. I think they should take this seriously. And I think that we will find out from them, okay, what have you done as a result of this to ensure that you get closer to the culprit? But you see, that's not what they're after. They are not after that. They are trying to protect the president, and they are trying yeah, to no, protect I, I, people look, from the truth. We can all agree that the chief of staff could, could order his, you know, his whole staff and say, you've got to submit yourself to a drug test. You've got to give fingerprints. You've got to give a DNA sample. You've got to sign an affidavit saying it wasn't yours. If, you, if, if it ends up being yours, we're going to charge you with perjury, on and on and on. There's a lot they could do. Uh, the White House hasn't done all of that. What I'm trying to separate here... Uh, and I'll give you the last word is, do you think this is the White House protecting people inside the White House? Fine. Or do you think this is the White House interfering with the Secret Service and their actual investigation? Well, we're going to find that out. The Secret Service should have a process by which they follow up on crimes that are committed in, in the White House. They should have a direct drug policy about how they isolate and find out what kind of a problem from a national security perspective they have. So, uh, you know, we'll, we're, we might not ever find out. What we do know is, is that the Secret Service needs to make sure that they followed up with every single person that was anywhere in that area in the White House for the 24 hours previously. They need to be drug tested. They need to sign an affidavit and they need to be serious about this. This is a terrible circumstance for the United States of America and the secrecy and the, the integrity of the White House. All right. Congressman, it's good to see you. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. We invite you to sign up for War Notes. It gives you a free look at the show every day at 4 p.m. Go to warnotes.com and subscribe. The end of the year is a good time to reflect. 
And over this year, we would be remiss if we didn't take a moment to thank you, our viewers. Without your trust and time, nothing we do or say matters. We hope your Christmas and New Year's holidays centers around family, love, fun, food, and a lot of football. But invariably, when it does turn to politics, the conversation that is, tell your family about News Nation. Tell them why you trust us, why you think we're fair, why you choose to spend part of your evening with us. We're grateful for you. We work hard every night to earn your trust. We wish you and your family a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Late today, the House did exactly what you thought they were going to do, okay? Uh, On a party line vote, they're going to have an impeachment inquiry into President Biden over alleged financial dealings with his son. Now, look, this is deja vu all over again as far as I am concerned, okay? This is a crime in search of proof. Uh, It is a political prosecution. I don't know how it's a a legitimate extension of oversight. I don't know how it's an extension of your interests. And I think it's going to be a great distraction. And I think it's politically motivated. And I have felt this in the past, which you know if you've been watching me. Hunter Biden subpoenaed. Uh, Instead, decided to hold a press conference outside of Congress. He's going to have a legal fight in front of him. Here's his.